Hi, I'm Sarah Jenner. And I'm Mary Ann Baton, and you're listening to Conversations with Impact. Every month, we chat with a new expert speaker about different workplace challenges and how to overcome them. The purpose of these conversations is to share insights and solutions to challenging topics. And have a positive impact on our guests who attend. We also highlight a charity that's doing incredible work. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. for this session, um, Chicha Changes, which was inspired by the David Bowie song, but also about how we often struggle with change. We're going to be joined by Carlos, uh, Dr. Carlos Davidovich, that Marion actually introduced us to. He is incredible. When I spoke with him on our tech test call, he's just so um, articulate, and I'm really looking forward to the information he's going to share with us. Carlos, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good. We're good. Are you in Spain today? Yeah, I'm in Madrid, exactly outside Madrid. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm yes, assuming yes. it's in the evening there. So thank you for sharing your evening with us today. Yep, yep, yep. It's 7 p.m. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, Carlos, would you mind just start by, we're going to start by you sharing. Um, your history working with change and i'm also so curious about your background i believe in neuro management what does that mean exactly okay i mean in a nutshell let's start from the from the end let's say the work i do is i work today is mainly giving workshops and lectures on the best way to define is neuro management but in, in other words is how to apply all the latest finding from neuroscience in organizations and business. Mainly is connected with human behavior to understand, I would say better the foundations, why people behave or react in certain way. And, and what I do is just to talk about common situations in organizations and uh, mainly, mainly it's about relationships and, and the way people connect with people. So, but there are some tricks and there are some tips. And change, okay, change is the name of the game. <laughs> it always was like this. And from pandemic time, what, what can I say that you already don't know? If you want, I share a little bit my background, if it's okay. Yes, yes, we'd love to hear about your background. So, in a nutshell, I'm born and raised in Argentina. And I did there, I was my first career as medical doctor, MMD. And I was working at the same time as a medical doctor and in pharmaceutical business in one area called uh, biotechnology that is quite, quite specific, let's say. And uh, I did that for many years. I will not tell you how many, but many, and uh, both of them. And uh, then in 2000, I decided to move to Europe. So I moved to Europe and I, I found out that I had to reinvent it myself. No more pharma, no more medicine. And I ended doing what I'm doing today. That is neuromanagement. So giving workshops and, le and, and lectures on le it's, it's, it's leadership in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's leadership and the focus is on leadership development and working as executive coach. 
in 2013, I was invited to live and work in Canada. So I said, why not? And I then I moved to Canada. I, I didn't know that was going to be for seven years. And I was living in Toronto for seven years until the pandemic decided to kick me out of Canada and brought me back to Europe. And I'm here. And the pandemic still is there. I stayed everywhere, let's say. So I think it's enough the information. Yeah. I just <laughs> want to share that it was probably around 2015, 16, you spoke at the Conference Board of Canada. And I've been working with change management for decades. And yet some of the things that you shared then stuck with me so much that I updated the information that I was giving to people. But the one thing that you said that resonated the most is that we have to stop being cheerleaders for change to say, oh, it's great, it's wonderful, but to actually preemptively say, here's the things that might go wrong. Here's the things that might be a challenge. Here's the things. And, and that just, um, for me, clicked things in place about the cynicism people have around change and the resistance they have to it. And yeah, so I'm really excited to catch up with you and to hear what you're doing and saying lately. Love it. And, and, and thanks for the invitation, by the way. I'm really delighted to, to be here and participate in this conversation. Uh, yeah, the conference board, I don't know, it was in Ottawa, in Montreal, because I gave several times uh, to the conference. And was yeah, I think really, this one was Ottawa. It was Ottawa, yeah, yeah, I remember. So if you want, we can go to exactly the topic that you are mentioning, if you want. I mean, you, you lead the way, okay, the two of you. You tell me. Yes, on so I guess our first question is, what are some typical mistakes that leaders make when they're dealing with change? like in in the organization. So what are mistakes they make themselves personally? What are mistakes they make in terms of with their team when they're trying to manage change? Any, any change in an organization has two parts, the planning and the implementation. The planning is, I would say, I would put it this way, always is almost perfect maybe the organization will develop the planning or we buy it through from some i mean can buy it from some consulting company there are many 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 change management plan that you can get excellent 80 percent or more of the failures are in the implementation and based i was saying one simple aspect that is the organization doesn't take into account how the brain works or how people uh, needs to be lead regarding the change in the organization. Uh, so this, this is the key point. The key point is not paying attention how change really impact our brain. Our brain has two systems, one to avoid changes and the other one to overcome the barriers. But then you need to introduce the change in a way that will be able, I mean, to sneak it between the two of them and get into people's brain. And then, then you, I will say it in this way, you increase the probability of success. So what are the strategies leaders could use in order to, like you said, kind of sneak in between those two things, the avoidance and also um, the overcoming? So 
all of us, we know change is a must and change is a constant. That is a very nice cliche, but it's true. But the brain will try to deceive us all the time, making us believe that there is no change. The thing will stay in the same way. The reason is very simple. It's not only about fear. It's about saving energy. So if I can be in my comfort zone, that's what the brain does all the time, to try to keep us in the comfort zone and pushing us there. If I can be in my comfort zone uh, most of the time, remember the definition of a comfort zone. Any situation where I know the rules means is, there, is, there is less effort to be there. And the brain is a master to send messages to keep us in the comfort zone. And the reason is that the reason is saving energy. Okay. So what we need to do to pull people out of their comfort zone and to move them to a process of change, there are certain steps. If you want, we go there straight to the steps uh, because uh, one by one, if you want, <laughs> and we can, we can uh, then analyze more in depth and you can ask me uh, at any moment, at any time, uh, whatever you would like to ask, of course. It's okay, you tell me. I Fine. would love to hear the steps. <laughs> I would love for you to share those. Normally, I present it in the opposite way when I do the workshop, but today I will do it in the right way. The step number one is, no, I will, I will start differently. The, one of the biggest enemy of the brain there are many, but one of the biggest one is uncertainty. Not having information. That's what the brain is very hard to deal with that for the brain. And can you imagine what's happening today? I mean, we have already almost two years and we don't have information was how this is going to end. Even though when we think it's going to end, whoop, another, another wave, another wave. Okay, let's not go there. But the brain always needs to have a plan. That means the brain needs to have a plan for only one reason, to feel that it's prepared to face whatever is coming. But of course, most of us, we cannot guess the future. We are not uh, psychics, we cannot guess the future. So what to do? What the brain does is compensating the lack of information, creating stories, building up stories. This is the main foundation of the fake news and the conspiracy theories. Why? Because the brain doesn't care if the story is true. What the brain cares about is that they make sense, period. This is like a, to watch a nice movie, science fiction movie. We know it's not real, but the, 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 the whole story, I mean, it's understandable. I say, you know, a script and, and we love it, but because make sense. In this way, when I don't have information, the brain will freeze. I mean, oversimplifying the situation. So how to lead a change in organization? Step number one is to present, as is called, a compelling vision. In another word, send an image or share an image and i'm very uh let's say uh, determined to use the word image no words 
share an image showing the end result. So we want to make a change. Okay, don't tell me about, still don't tell me about steps or what's gonna happen. Tell me where you wanna go. Show me the end of the story. Show me in one image, tell to me, that, that's why companies uh, use so much the concept of vision. And I will explain you why. We think that we think in words or letters, we don't. We mainly think through images. So we have an image to give an example. Okay, today I was checking my agenda and I know what I need to do today. And I put an image. Okay, I have the conversation yeah, with you two. And that's an image. Then I decide what to do. Visions lead behavior. So if I want to push people to behave in a certain way or to push myself, we need to introduce an image in their head first. Tell me if it makes sense so far. Mm -hmm. I think um, just listening to you talk about images and um, introducing images instead of words reminds me of like visualizations and how impactful those can be for individuals when they're setting personal goals. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm thinking about, so we're doing a software change and you have all the different pieces of how the software is going to change and that it'll make work easier. But if you had an image of people with their feet up on a desk saying, this is what's going to happen, it's going to make your life easier. They're going to be a little more excited yeah. than with the list of things to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe some of the people that are listening now say, yeah, Carlos, but maybe the change will not be positive for everyone. Mm -hmm. So some people maybe will be let go or they will I don't know, some departments will be just deleted, whatever. It's true, but doesn't matter. So if I know what's gonna happen, I can prepare myself for the good or for the bad. So then presenting that image is the step number one. Then that's the vision of the organization. Then I can behave and walk towards that vision. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's a step number one. Now, how to introduce the vision, because that's a different story. But first, tell people where you want to be, where you want to get, what, what, what the change, like you say now, what exactly that represents. So what, what's going to happen? Or we're going to, I don't know, become international or, or no, we're going to get smaller or, or we're going to focus on products, like whatever it is. But, and I always recommend when I'm, uh, ask to consult people regarding introducing changes, I say, use all the senses that you can. If you can introduce the image saying how it's going to smell, do it. <laughs> because more senses are better. We work always in a multisensorial world and our brain works in a multisensorial world. I don't want to derail, okay? But uh, just, just going step by step. First, the vision. Second, I, you, you interrupt me at any time, okay? If you think that you want to ask questions or whatever. The second thing is, I told you that uh, uncertainty is the big enemy of the brain. If the organization wants to introduce a change, my first recommendation is make change familiar. 
So start talking about the change quite earlier. Then people will get used to, to the concept and used to the something is going to happen. The brain has another characteristic that the truth is that it's a bias. It's called availability, heuristic bias. What that means? Whatever I listen to her many times or more than once, my brain will take it as a familiar, and that is the normal. Make sense? Mm -hmm. And I give you, I tell you one thing, I don't know if it's the place, but this technique is used for many governments. When the government, the political party, whatever it is, is in power and wants to introduce something that they know is not going to be well accepted, they already know that they need to start making people talk about this quite earlier. And there is a period of time, depends on the, on the intervention, three, six months, whatever, that when they will say, announce the change, the population already at least 50% will be in favor, just because they were listening to this too many times. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep or no? <laughs> yeah, I use it too, Carlos, with children. That when a child is nervous about trying something new, you know, like maybe playing soccer and you say, well, it's very much like hockey, but you're just pushing the ball into the net with your feet instead of with a stick. And so uh, that piece, when you, when I first heard you say that, that resonated with me as well. It's yeah. how we raise their comfort level. It also Absolutely. made me think of how oftentimes we don't necessarily share change or the possibility of change early on because we don't want people to panic but then what you're sharing makes absolute sense that if we share immediate change like this is going to happen now we don't necessarily give people that time to process to create that vision like you had said of you know what could life look like three six ten months from now yeah. and they're forced into kind of like that survival response immediately, that stress response of, I feel like the world is crumbling around me. And so Absolutely. I think it's so helpful that you really reiterated that sharing change and giving people time to process that is so effective. Exactly. Yeah, we need time. We need time mm -hmm. to think. I mean, maybe it's not a topic, but many of the consequences of people with PTSD, post-traumatic stress, stress, uh, post stress disorder, they went through some negative event without any warning. Mm. So the brain was not able to, to process what happened. Mm -hmm. Can happen to anyone. Most of the people will process it rightly. Those that cannot, that's the consequences. But mainly is because the situation came too fast without yeah. any warning. I don't know if it's useful, the, the example. But it, it is that when we're blindsided, so we talk a lot here about um, PPE, personal protective equipment, but um, one of our colleagues, Francoise Mathieu, she's talking about psychological protective um, equipment and how do we prepare people, especially first responders, but people in many different um, jobs, like a librarian doesn't expect to have someone come in off the street with severe mental health issues, and yet that might happen. 
And are they prepared or are they blindsided? And that's the difference, as you say, between not being able to process it and thinking, oh, okay, I, I knew this might happen and here's what I was supposed to do. So even if they don't remember all the things, it's not as much of a shock. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So again, doesn't mean that we'll take it positive or negative, but at least we'll be prepared, we'll be able to digest the information, if you let me to use that word, yeah? Mm -hmm. So first division, second, let's start talking about the change. Mm -hmm. The step number three is let people be part of the process of the change in this way don't give everything already done i mean one of the i would say important mistakes in company is a group of experts or, or top management whatever they get in a commission to think about the plan and develop the plan blah 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 and they have everything done do, 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 do. they give it to the rest of the organization say, do it you need to execute it now and maybe in two months it doesn't work so what my recommendation always with people that will introduce change is, and also when I tell them, engage people in the process, they say, no, 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 we are responsible of what kind of change. And I, no, no, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not against that. The framework you decide, the change and the final vision is yours. But the implementation process leave room that people can be more participative or creative on how to implement the process. Yeah, the way exactly. I see it, Carlos, is you're not asking the employees what they're going to do, you're asking them how they're going to Absolutely. do it. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And that is called, in, in business now, it's called the IKEA effect. Mm. <laughs> when I saw the first time, I laughed, because it's true. I mean, what is, why people, well, no, some people, okay, no, 100%, why people love IKEA? Uh, products because you need to do it by yourself and then you feel that's yours you know what i mean because you were part of that yeah. also there are people that hate it because of that but <laughs> i tell you myself when i when i started with ikea when i came to europe because it was not in argentina and i every 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 furniture that was done by me i said wow this is me no it was not me it was just following the instructions step one two three but anyway the feeling is that i I was engaged in the process. So then I take ownership. You know what I mean? Okay. I had some slightly different experiences building Ikea furniture, <laughs> but yes, I, I did feel engaged. I also felt enraged at times. Yeah. But yes. Absolutely. That's why I say now 100% of people like it. Yeah. But the idea I feel is like that's all part of the journey, though, right? It's like even with change, there's going to be people who feel enraged at points and i think that's another question i wanted to ask you carlos is how do we um hold space for individuals who are experiencing these changes who maybe like you had advised is like somehow participating in the change but they're showing signs of frustration anger sadness betrayal which are all very valid emotions how do we how do we hold space for them to express those um but not become entrenched in them absolutely this is a great question and what i was saying i guess in that meeting of the conf uh, con uh, conference board 
we need to acknowledge that this will provoke those emotional reactions. And I want to be clear on this. It's not that managers or leaders will become psychologists, because that's not fair. But it's about acknowledging, and sometimes it's a process of venting and could be enough. But leaving the space for that. The problem of many managers or leaders is they, they always want to solve everything, you know? Okay, I will do it. No, just listen. Listen what, what they want to say, listen what are their fears, and then maybe you can help with those fears, clarifying things, you know what I mean? Or maybe, okay, at least to explain something, but just only letting, letting them vent in is a huge, process and it's a huge move forward and um, i remember in two cases there was exactly that situation and my recommendation was organize a very very limited time in a week let's say i don't remember it was thursday in the morning from 9 to 9 45 venting time you know so everybody can say whatever the the rule of the game is nobody will solve your life but you can talk you know and, and because also if the manager was perceiving that somebody was really really in a traumatic situation emotionally talking can recommend professional help but it, no doubt becoming defensive right which is what some leaders do they'll say well no we've taken care of that or we've done that and they don't really hear like you're saying, that there may be another underlying issue. Absolutely. And this is not about, again, solving a, a psychology because this is not, I mean, the, the, the organization or the job is not the work, the place to do it. But at least you can channel that situation in the right way, helping to channel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Many, most of the time, just let them talk, will solve the situation. Because also they will they will understand that not is the only one person. I mean that my colleague is in the same situation, so that helps. But if that's not enough, maybe you can call a, a coach, let's say, to work with a team, or or if it's more complicated, to recommend professional help outside the organization. Mm, that's such great advice because I think if you can hold. Um, moments for people to vent and you being there listening to them it could also potentially be an opportunity for you as a leader to share information that they may not have that can reduce that sense of uncertainty or that sense of fear um, that you may not have realized that maybe you weren't clear about you know what could happen next and they just need that reassurance in the moment as well Absolutely. and many times Remember, the, the brain will build whatever story. And many times, it's a wrong story. It's not true. But you know that people start gossiping in negative ways when they don't have information. And so I, I remember other situations where the manager was able to say, no, that's not going to happen. Don't worry. Or this is not going to be this. Or this is. So clarifying things that nobody thought there was, there was the need to clarify until the moment somebody asked for or somebody express that fear. So what I say is in a funny way, shut up and listen, what they say. 
and then and then you will see what to do because many times you will be able to to say to clarify something in one way or the other but listen first mm -hmm. and to share your feelings too i think that can be so impactful when leaders can authentically stand there and say you know what i feel nervous about this too or um, uncertainty really affects me as well. And this is how I'm experiencing it. And I think that that can help, um, it can help leaders and employees get to that space where it's like, oh, my leader is just a, a human as well. And they experience these emotions too. And for a leader, it's nice to be able to acknowledge that my employees are also human as well. And they're going to experience fear and uncertainty and what you had shared is such a like such a impactful strategy to use that really isn't necessarily going to take much of your time or effort and you can really reduce so many of those negative feelings you reminds me something that uh, lately became like it came to the mainstream and i think is so powerful the work of brené brown you know on vulnerability I don't know if you heard. Uh, oh yeah, oh yes. My my sister and I will regularly say to each other, uh, "What's the story you're telling yourself?" Exactly. Brené Brown was able to introduce the, I would say, a different way or different perspective to the word vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember vulnerability. She defines with three components that is risk this vulnerability is risk plus emotional exposure plus uncertainty when you define vulnerability in that way that all of us we are on the same boat so all of us we are vulnerable all of us we are going through risky situations we don't have the whole information and we are emotionally exposed so she was able to do many things and in a, in a great way because it's really funny it's fantastic but also to introduce to change totally the perspective in a way that so the traditional understanding was if i show myself vulnerable will impact transmitting weakness and it's exactly the opposite. So the showing vulnerability in this context, I'm just, I just explained, the impact is strength. And that is following what you are saying now. So managers that are able to accept this situation as being vulnerable, people will take it always, the team member, as a positive thing, not as a negative thing. And this is the power of the concept itself. Great. What's your next one? The next one is, so we were talking about the vision. We were talking about make change familiar. We were talking about involve people in the how. I like mm -hmm. now to say it there in that way. The next one is be mindful to avoid saying big changes ahead because that's the worst sentence ever for the brain the brain cannot take big changes at once 
So what I mean is present the plan, chunk it in many, many, many steps. That's what the brain can take because that makes it, uh, that is uh, feasible to, to, to do. You know what I mean? So the brain will go on fire if here's big changes ahead because it's, oh my God, is the, the neutronic bomb, you know, boom, everything will be destroyed in one day. No, 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 it's going to be a process. So then present a process as it is, a process that we have, I don't know, 10,000 steps. I don't care, but it's a process and we will go one by one. So the, that, that is important to, to keep in mind. Be clear on how you transmit the plan. And you can, and you must do it in a way that will be uh, eatable, uh, acceptable for people because people can, I would say, uh, formulate and how they're going to do it. If you tell me, I mean, you know, the old, old saying, you know, a, a path of 10,000 steps starts with one. Okay, tell me about the first one. And then we will keep walking and together. And that's it. So that's, that's the, the one is important. The next one, it's a formula called attention density. That in few words is, again, be mindful that changes don't happen from one day to the next. This is a total fantasy. So the process is exposure, practice, yeah? Failure and practice again many times. What I mean is every single process uh, of change that wants to be implemented needs to consider as a part of the process the many times that needs to be repeated. Make sense? Again, what happened? The top management introduced the program and say execute it right now. What they don't realize, they were working for a year in the program, so they already know. For them, it's familiar. They know that it's going to take time. When they expect that's going to happen in a short period of time, that is the best way to make it fail. Make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the last one they want to introduce is I don't know if you heard about the science of networking, but it's something very interesting that was based on the six degrees of separation. Remember that concept? The six, six degrees, degrees of, of separation. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Yeah. That became something very interesting because some researchers found out that that not only happened in Hollywood happen everywhere. Mm -hmm. But the six degree of separation was misunderstood. Doesn't mean everyone is connected with everyone. That's not true. Some people are more connected than others. And those are called the hub, H-U-B, the hubs or the connectors. So when the organization wants to introduce a change, my recommendation is Identify the connectors of the hub in your organization. Not necessarily the manager or the leaders. Sometimes it's the receptionist or somebody or the somebody that has this characteristic. Number one, everybody come to them to find out what's going on. <laughs> they know everything. And 
or people will share with them many things. Those are the ones that will introduce the changes better, easier, and will be more acceptable for the rest. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's creating that sense of community within a group that you can kind of lean on one another for support in that moment. Yeah. But I often ask for the people that are most resistive to be part of that because if they're connected and they're resistive, I would like the time to talk to them specifically <laughs> to Absolutely. get them on board because like you say, they're the hub. They're the ones that are connected. And rather than just having the most agreeable people at the table, it's good to deal with all their resistance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But this is a, it's almost mathematical. Every company can very easily they recognize the hubs. And those people that really, they, everybody likes, you know, and everybody comes to them. And when they don't know something, they ask them, okay, then that information can be introduced in the organization through them. It's that everything that we are saying is to increase the probability of success, okay? It's mm -hmm. not 100%. But those are things that are taking into account how the brain works and what the brain needs to feel calm not to activate the reptilian brain that would be like this you know in survival mode and not to activate another part of our brain called amygdala the amygdala is a, you know we have one in each side it's like a radar it's a sensor that is all the time sensing if something is danger around me or is threatening me the way to 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 the good news is the amygdala can be trained so if one situation happens more than once, or I hear change more than once, the amygdala will not react anymore. Because when the amygdala reacts, activate the survival mode, awaken the reptilian brain. But at the same time, this is what people don't know, will deactivate the rational brain. In other words, people with fears cannot think properly. Don't tell people with fear, be, calm down and be rational. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. No. So Carlos, with um, what's happening here is some employers are thinking about bringing people back to the workplace. Some people have been away for almost two years. And we know there's people who are gonna be really excited and people who are gonna be really afraid and that they're not coming back to the same place they left because of everything that the pandemic's done. What advice do you have for employers to handle that particular change in the best way? There is a concept that, at least from my understanding, is important to have none of the 8 billion of inhabitants on earth went through this experience before, none. So there is no one person on earth that knows what to do. Then let's be conscious and at the same time accountable that we are co-creating reality. So we are just, is trial and error. What I'm trying to say, we are all responsible of the situation. When I, when I coach manager or leader, I say, hey, hey, 
I know that you're responsible, you are the manager, whatever, but don't take full responsibility. Share it with the team. Because none of us knows what to do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you heard about it or read about it, but uh, last year, at the end of the year, I think, the big techs in Silicon Valley, they decided to call everyone back to the office. The reaction was very negative, and people start saying, I resign. I don't want that. I work well from home because we already proved that we can work from home. So I don't need to go over there, or at least a couple of days, the hybrid model. And all the big techs, Googling, Google included, they had to change gears and, then, and to change the direction and to say, okay, don't worry, because we don't want that you will leave. So, okay, what will be the best for you? This is not about doing whatever people are asking to do, but is to try to find a common place. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had somebody just today say that there was some studies done and the stress rate for organizations who have asked their employees what they want is significantly lower than the stress rate in the organizations where they haven't asked their employees. That's so it. it just proves your point. It's exactly like that. They, sometimes managers and leaders, they, they, they are afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. Because what about if uh, they will ask things that we cannot give to them? Doesn't matter, but listen. And maybe you can, or maybe, I mean, the whole team will find out a way. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, you don't know. Just uh, be um, brave enough to listen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we will, you will do whatever. No, will be some some rules, some framework for the whole organization. But maybe the information will come, will be, I mean, bottom on top and not top down. Just give it the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of noise. Give me one second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carlos, you have um, provided us with a really great framework um, to share with our listeners many of the things that you teach. And it's just so poignant right now in the world that we have to deal with change and uncertainty, but that um, what you're sharing are really practical, helpful ways that we can do that. Mm -hmm. I, I think so. to not only support organizations and leaders, but even as you were speaking, like personally, I was thinking about, oh, that's what I need to start doing too, because my amygdala goes into <laughs> overdrive when I'm dealing with change. And so um, you explained it so beautifully that, you know, when your amygdala is activated, that rational thought goes out the window. And I know for me, my brain just goes into that kind of story mode. And so for you yeah. sharing all of those techniques about, you know, create a vision of what this change might look like. Don't let the words take over. And you also gave me the idea of starting to capture in a notebook when change happens and what I did to, to work with that change so that I can begin recognizing like, you know, change happens more often than you may think. And this is how you've dealt with it in the past and you're capable of dealing with change. So one thing that, uh, you remind me another thing. Sorry, sorry. You want to say something? I, I no, go ahead. Say. In one of the workshops I give, we talk about the, 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 the COVID situation, the pandemic situation. 
And one concept that I think is important to understand, we are all in the same storm. This is true. The storm is the same to, uh, for all of us, but we are not on the same boat. When, when I coach now, I'm coaching managers, whatever, and, and I tell them, you need to understand what happened to each of your team members. Because the way this situation so unusual to call it in some way is impacting each of us is very personal. Mm -hmm. It's not everyone reacting in the same way. Mm -hmm. no. So same storm, different boat. Then again, ask and listen. And people needs has different needs, you know, to be solved. To resolve. Make sense? Yes, Carlos, we have um, a lot of your work on workplace strategies for mental health, but if people wanted to learn more about what you do, how would they get in touch with you? First of all, uh, well, the best way so far, because my website is going to be launched in a week, two weeks, but it's not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm working on that. But uh, the point is, I think the best is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is okay. I mean, the way to find me. It's easy. I mean, it's just to connect me and I... I always respond. LinkedIn with just my name and last name is enough. Yeah. Right. And that's so is. Carlos Davidovich on yeah. LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is way. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us today. I mm -hmm. am so grateful for to you for that. Um, and I'm so excited to be able to share this information with our community because I think so many people are struggling with change, especially uncertainty that comes with change right now. And I think that this is going to have a really incredible impact on so many people. Um, for all of our listeners who joined us, thank you for joining us, for sharing your time with us today. 